guys. Good to see everybody, man. Good to see. Got some new faces in this. I mean, honestly, man, I love this because I thought the 1130 service, man, because Chiefs and that kind of thing. All right, Bobby, you got, you got me. You, you got me, right? You're going to keep me, right? You're going to keep me, like, informed about what the Chiefs score is. It's eight minutes in. I need to know something. But, uh, but yeah, that's cool. We got, we got, we got this thing going, so that's cool. But, uh, man, I thought, ah, you know, we wouldn't have very many people for the 1130 service because the Chiefs, man, you guys showed up. Crazy y'all are. I love it. I love it, man. Good, good deal, good deal. So, actually, I think this may be, um, other than Easter, we may wind up this being our largest Sunday service of the year. Yeah, like it's, it's like I don't know what's going on. It was crazy. First couple of services were, uh, were were pretty packed, and you know you guys showed up here and packed out. Good stuff, good stuff. So, but uh, not yeah, like I said, it's just it's fun to be a part of what God is doing at our church. Amen. It really is cool. Really is cool. Well, I if I didn't get a chance to meet with you or talk with you a little bit, um, I'm a pretty forgettable guy. But in case you forgot, my name is Casey, and one of the uh, pastors here uh, serving alongside you guys. I uh, wanted to just uh, just express my my deep appreciation for um, all the things that are going on, and uh, you know, like we talk about Tim and Megan being uh, being our our Loma Vista worship leaders. Man, did you enjoy that, by the way? <laughs> Dude, like it's wild, man. What what God's doing, and so our campus here is the sending church for our Loma Vista campus, not Shawnee and not Miriam. Now, Shawnee and Miriam may help, but uh, we, we are the ones that are leading the charge to send out. This is what we're designed to do. We're designed to multiply, send out, plant other churches, and that kind of thing. So we're not real interested in building one big church on a corner where everybody drives to. We want to spread uh, and plant churches throughout the Kansas City area, man. And, uh, and we're, so that's one of the things we're doing. So we're going to be, um, be really uh, engaged in that and helping that. We've got uh, uh, Pastor Price that's going to be uh, be going through um, uh, you know some assessment stuff with North American Mission Board coming up soon. So be praying. He and I are going to Atlanta tomorrow. So uh, be praying for Atlanta. Cause that may <laughs> that may be that may be something where uh, I don't know if it's going to be the same. So I might be calling you guys for bail money. Totally kidding, um, but uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a really neat, uh, really neat time coming up. So we're going to be uh, intentionally giving, intentionally uh, raising support uh, for the Loma Vista campus, and we're going to be a huge part of that. And uh, just like Shawnee did for us four years ago, we're going to do for Loma Vista. Uh, so that we can capture really what has happened here uh, at Loma Vista as well. Similar situation there. Uh, if you don't know, that's debt died to about you know uh, nine or ten people or so. Yeah, but I think it's more closer to fifteen uh, folks that are are uh, going to church there right now. And it's in a man. It is in a, a place that is heavily heavily populated. And so we have the potential for Loma Vista to be become our largest campus. Uh, maybe by far, just depending on how how it all works out. But uh, if you got that kind of worship going on, people are going to be coming and, and figuring out what the heck's going on at that crazy church, right? So, so I love that. But uh, but man, it is cool, and we're uh, we're starting. Just going to kind of start through uh, what's going on. We're going through James right now. We started in James one last week, and really kind of the whole idea of James, um, man, is 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 kind of a getting back to basics. For some of us who are new to the faith or don't know the faith uh, or haven't really come to know the Lord yet, this is kind of a, a neat uh, way of saying, okay, looking at the scriptures and looking at what is not not required, but what does a Christian walk look like, right? 
None of this is ever required. This is not something we ever have to do. It's something we get to do. Amen. And so it's something that because the Lord rose from the dead and because he is who he is and because of all the different things and by his shed blood and his shed blood only can we be saved from eternal damnation. Man, like that is a a remarkable thing, but it's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do, right? And so, man, I love that. He never comes to us like that. And James, uh, who wrote the the book of James, was actually Jesus' brother growing up. And a lot of people don't know that they think he was a disciple, and he was, and you know, a disciple of somebody who walked one of the twelve. It's no, he's, he's actually the guy that didn't know, come to know Jesus, he, who he knew as his half brother or so growing up. Uh, it, you know, from the time he was a little kid, um, you know, he didn't know him as as Lord until after the resurrection, which is a powerful testimony to the resurrection of Jesus, right? I mean, that's just kind of one of those deals. And, you know, when we were talking about last week, we were talking about, you know, James and Jesus probably did brother stuff. They probably ate worms or whatever. They probably had the pull my finger type contest and stuff like that. None of that's a sin or anything like that. might be gross, but not a sin. Um, but they probably dared each other because they're boys and, and that kind of thing. But but, but something that was kind of hit me Wednesday night when we were going through the, the diving deeper, you know, it's kind of thinking through like the how James probably when he grew up and and the, some of the resentment he had to have for Jesus and I and I just say that only because you know if you remember the Christmas story and I don't like to say story because these are historic accounts but the, of the birth of Jesus one of the things that that Joseph you know the the husband of Mary did was he was going to quietly uh, you know divorce his wife because she had become pregnant prior to them ever being together physically right. And in that culture, in the first century Roman Empire, it was expected that if a, a, a woman committed adultery in that time, that she was to be stoned to death. It was not only uh, something that Joseph could have done, it was something that he was expected to have done. So for him to actually continue the marriage was a great pressure from the, the, the world and pressure from the town and pressure from his, his buddies who, who probably looked at Joseph and said, dude, you should have handled your business, man, right? You should have done some things that, uh, you know, how dare she's going to bring shame on your family and all that kind of stuff. And James, if you think about it, grew up in that environment, probably got bullied, probably got heard, heard other kids say different things because their parents would say, well, you know what, you know what uh, Mary did and you know what Joseph did and, you know, that kind of thing. Don't, don't play with that Jesus boy. Don't play with that James boy, right? And even though Jesus grew up in stature and favor among men, there was this pressure socially, probably, you can deduce, that James had to go through a lot of that stuff. So not only was his was it really hard to to be a, a brother of Jesus growing up? Anybody ever had a perfect brother or sister growing up, right? Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, it's probably you, right? But, uh, but, you know, it was really difficult because, you know, not only did Jesus never sin, he never lied to his mom, never, dis- you know, never uh, did anything against his mother and father or anything like that. Well, James probably did because he's a, a fallen, uh, sinful guy, not, not, not Jesus, right? And so... So it was probably one of those deals like, uh, who got in the cookie jar? Well, you know, it couldn't have been Jesus. Oh, thanks a lot, Mr. Perfect. You know, I guess I'm in trouble again. But, you know, it went even further than that. You know, just you would imagine that it went further than that. And probably the resentment because of Jesus that he had to go through. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing 
is when we meet on Wednesdays, we're really going to try to pour into the scriptures. But I want to help you understand how to approach the Bible because a lot of people don't know. They think I don't understand it. I don't understand what how to approach it, how to under, how to how to read it. And so what I want us to do is that uh, that we when we really when we're reading scripture, I want us to do several things. We want to understand several things. First and foremost, that, that first and foremost that God wrote it. And I know that sounds weird, like I thought James wrote this. Well, yes, but it's guided by the hand of God. God whispered or, or breathed into the scripture, into the into existence using people to write it down. Uh, one of the, Another thing we want to do is when we're reading the scripture, we want to say and understand that context determines meaning, meaning that it's very dangerous, and this is something I really advise people not to do, is to take a, a scripture out of context and apply it to something they think that it says. So you can say something like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 one of these scriptures we're going to talk about today. If it's not in context of all the other scriptures, it's going to be a lot more difficult to understand and apply to our lives. The another thing is that the need to interpret scripture is very rare. Like it's really rare because a lot of times it just says what it says. I think it was Mark Twain who says, I don't have a problem with the Bible from things I don't understand. My, my struggle is with things I do understand, which is a lot, right? <coughs> I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. And so when we see, when we look at the scriptures, it's not just a, an intellectual pursuit. It's not just trying to uh, a memor- uh, exercise the memorization. We really want to know what does God say? What is he saying in his word? And so when we read it in context and understand that our interpretation a lot of times needs to submit to God's word, like, uh, like what he actually says, we want to say, what does he say? Second thing we want to say is, what does God want me to do? So we see what God says in the word, and then we say, what does God want me to do? And then ask the question and challenge ourselves, am I willing to do what God says? Because we know what God says, and if we know what he wants me to do, but if we're not willing to do it, it's kind of an exercise in futility, right? But am I willing to do what God says? And uh, finally, last couple of things we want to do when we approach Scripture is ask God for his power to do what he says. Because if I'm willing, but I don't ask for his power, it's going to be another exercise in futility. And then understanding the bottom line is, and I love this, what James says, what he doesn't call uh, Jesus, his brother. Hey, guys, you got to listen to me because I grew up with Jesus, know all about him and everything like that. So I'm going to write down some things. He doesn't call himself the brother of Jesus. He calls himself a slave to Jesus Christ, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's crazy, right? And so when we look at this, we understand that this do's, this stuff is not about do's and don'ts and the have to's and, the, and you can't do's and that kind of thing. It's about a relationship with God that out of that comes spiritual stuff we get to do, not have to do. Does that make sense? Like that is a powerful way to look at the scripture. So let me just get into James 2, uh, starting at verse 1. James writes to, is writing to the, the, you know, the, the Christians of the day who had been persecuted and scattered out of Jerusalem. He says, my brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. If you look, on, if you look with favor on the man wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor man, stay over there, sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now think about what he's saying. 
You hear this all the time about people that say, oh, I don't really like church. It's all about money. And I don't really like church. It's a bunch of hypocrites and that kind of stuff. James is saying the same thing. Like they were struggling with this kind of stuff too. So somebody would come in and they would be like, man, look how good the fine clothes. Look at that gold, man. The people are going to be able to give some money, right? Let's sit them down in a nice place. All right, in the front seat. Well, actually, nobody sits on the front because it preacher spits on them and stuff like that. I don't know what it is. Like, you are, you, you cool. But it's like, it's like, man, we could be absolutely packed in here. But like, nope, not the front row. Sorry, I'll do the second row. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, that's how this... This crazy thing works. And so the things that people get frustrated with about the church, I'm not trashing the church or anything like that. I'm not, because this is the bride of Christ. I get it. Man, but things that people, the reputation of the church and all those kinds of things are outlined in Scripture as something Jesus agreed with that we shouldn't do, right? So when it's a money grab or it's a hypocrisy or any of that stuff, Jesus said, yeah, me too. I don't like it either. And matter of fact, when somebody challenges me with that, I say, man, you ought to get to know Jesus really well. You guys would get along, right? Because it just blows their mind. Like, well, what are you talking about? Because it's not always what we do with the church that Jesus is satisfied and happy with either. And so many times people that don't know the Lord agree with Jesus on most everything, right? Verse 5. He said, listen to my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you dishonored that poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Don't they blaspheme the name of the, the noble name that was pronounced over you at your baptism? Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as, as yourself. Guys, this not, does that not repeat itself a lot we've heard that like like if, you, if you've been here any length of time you've heard that scripture talked about a bunch right i get accused of repeating myself all the time i'm like no actually god does all the time in his word you know people are like a lot of inconsistencies in the bible like i don't know man that's pretty consistent to me because you keep saying the same stuff right you are doing well but if you show favoritism you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors For whoever keeps the entire law yet fails in one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you're a lawbreaker. Uh, Keep in mind too, this is what Jesus said in the very first public ministry sermon he came out. The Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about this being a matter of the heart. If you're having this anger and this murderous thoughts in your heart, you're guilty of it. It's not just an exterior do's and don'ts. It's a matter of relationship and a matter of heart and ultimately a matter of love of God and love of other, other people. Verse 12, speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom, right? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Man, but with great freedom comes great responsibility exactly right for judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy mercy triumphs over judgment what good is it my brothers if someone said he has says he has faith but does not have works can his faith save him and if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and eat well but you don't give them what the body needs what good is it in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Now, now, now listen to what, go back to verse 15 if we can. <coughs> yeah, one more. If a brother or sister, he's talking about in this instance, people inside the body of believers, right? 
And I'm not saying that we can't help anybody outside the body of believers. I'm not saying that. But, uh, but I'm concerned for a lot of us in the church world and, and in the Western culture that we bow to the pressure to be the church that the world expects us to be versus the church that God outlines in his word. Amen? Like, like what he says is if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, keep, in other words, it's like, man, I know you're suffering, man, I know you ain't got no food, man, I know you got, you got, some, you got some issues, your car's broke down, you need a ride, you, know, you need some clothes, you need this kind of stuff, I'm going to pray for you, brother, later on, right? Then that's what he's talking about. It's not like a matter of, well, we've got to understand, this is something we've got to take care of our own and take care of our own first. Do we do it perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. But this is what he's called us to do. When, now think about this, when did the church stop being the light of the world and start becoming a charitable organization? Right? Am I saying we can never pay somebody's bills? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is if that's what the church is known for and if that's what's expected by the, by the rest of the world, and we stop being the light of the world, we become the bill payers versus the, the light of the world, versus people saying, man, I'm glad you, sure, I'm glad your, your, your church saved me in this instance and that kind of thing, versus, man, I'm sure, God, that you introduced me, me to the God that saved me eternally. Total different thing, amen? Like, it's different. We be, have become a charitable organization. I think, you guys know this already, I think very strangely, about things. You, you figured that out, right? <coughs> so who said amen? Somebody say. Like, I think very strangely about this in a, in a lot of ways. But here's, here's the deal. If an atheist organization can do what we do, how are we different? There are atheists that can go feed the homeless. There are atheists that can set up charities and, and all kinds of different things. But if they don't bring the light of the world, if they don't bring the gospel with them, and we don't either, then we're no different. Right? So all those things that we've got to do have got to be with the understanding we're going to introduce them to Jesus and let the chips fall where they may. That's, that's not, because it's not about, because we just say, yep, we'll pay your bills, cool, awesome, man, cool, bang, boom, bada, right? No, it can't be like that. It's got to be with an understanding. Like, guys, we want people to, to know the Lord. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. Ooh, verse 19, though, man. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. Now, about every couple of years, I like to give this, this test, and, and I want to give you several questions, and usually if you're a, uh, a believer in the Lord, then you're going to answer these things in the affirmative. You're going to say yes, uh, and that kind of thing. You know, I love answers when I, uh, when, I get, when I ask questions and everything, so we're a little bit more of an interactive church, I think, than, than some people, some people are, are, are accustomed to. But understand something, man. I, want you to want, I don't want you to lie. If it's, if it's no, it's no. But I want you to, to ask and answer these things. Uh, you know, and if you're a believer in the Lord, you're probably going to answer yes to most of them. But I want to ask a few questions. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a final question that I don't want you to answer yet. Is that, is that fair? Does that, that make sense? So here's what I want to do. So I'm going to ask you several things, and, um, and then I want to, want, to, want to hear a response from you, and then I'm going to ask you a final question with no response. 
But here's a couple of questions, because this is what James says, you know. He says, you believe there's one God. Do you believe there is one, one God? Yes. Do it one more time. You believe there's one God? Yes. yes. Do you believe that Jesus uh, lived a perfect life, a sinless life? Yeah, do you believe that he, um, like, fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies and predictions about the coming Messiah, that he fulfilled all of those? Do you believe that? Yeah, do you believe that he died on the cross as outlined in the scriptures? Yeah, do you believe that he rose from the grave to overcome death? Yeah, do you believe that the Bible is the complete, inspired, inerrant word of God? Yes. Do you believe that Satan and his demons know all this too? Do you believe that Jesus is going to be coming back for his church, for his, the, his bride, right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Satan and his demons know that and they're ramping up all this junk so to try to pull people, as many people away as possible? Do you believe that? Okay. So if you believe and I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe and I believe that Jesus died on the cross, lived a perfect life, the complete, inspired, inerrant word of God, if you believe all that stuff... And Satan and his demons believe that too. Here's my question I don't want you to answer. I want you to sit in for a second. If you and I believe everything that Satan and his demons believe, what's the difference between you and me and Satan? Let that just sit for a second. Because my fear is, and I'm not a fearful guy, but my fear is that there are people that try to go into the churches across the world, that kind of thing. And they know a lot of stuff in the scriptures, right? I mean, honestly, like if you think about this, Satan is not this, he doesn't come across as this big monster. He looks like a beacon of light. Who comes in and says, I know, I agree, I'm with you. And they even say amen, that kind of thing. But here's the difference between us and Satan. It has to be. It's got to be love. Love for God and love for other people. Because if like, like, he has no love for God's people, we have all of it. From him, from Jesus, right? Do you see where the difference is? This is the thing where we've got to like, be thinking Okay, am I just pursuing knowledge here? Am I just trying to study the Bible to obtain knowledge here? Or am I actually learning because I love God and love Jesus more, like with everything I've got and I want to learn to obey them, obey him? Does that make sense? Like that's the difference. Satan will never want to obey or love God. He hates everything of God, especially those who are created in his image. All right? So there's hate. There's a despising of God's people and anything that reflects God's nature. And then there's, there's us who are the light of the world, according to Jesus, man. Big difference, right? It better be. And this is where we've got to check, check our hearts and test our hearts in those things. If we're really looking to just find out what the Bible says without trying to find out how do I obey, obey God that I love. Foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, 
Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also is faith without works is dead. And everybody in the house said, amen. Heavy word, man. Heavy word. Bobby, what's the score? Who? <laughs> Chiefs! Love it. All right. Back to Jesus. All right. I think Jesus loves his Chiefs too, right? Hallelujah. Nah, but for real, man. Like, here's the thing. Thank you guys for real. Um, one of the things I love about our church is that we are, man, we really do express a lot of love for one another. We don't do it perfectly, and we screw up sometimes. But man, I tell you what, like this is what it's. This is why it's fun to be here on Sunday. Is because there is stuff going on during the week, and relationships getting built during the week, and there's a battle going on during the week. That we're going into the world, and and it, like our hearts are with Jesus, and and it we feel like sometimes foreigners in a strange land. And so when we get together on Sunday, it's awesome because oh, cool. you're going through the battles. I'm going through the battles. Let's gather together, build each other up, and have some fun, right? It's so awesome. And so I love that about us, no doubt about it. And when we do our, our door-to-door ministry that we're talking about, and it's when we ask people what they love about our city and what we, they want to see different and how we as a church can help, it's not about just doing work so they come and say, man, New City's awesome. It's about bringing people into the kingdom having them saved, having them discipled so that more and more and more of us can go go to heaven and be, be with him forever. Amen? That's what it's about. It's not a, a civil exercise of some kind. It's, man, this is evangelic. We're going to reach people. And we're going to do a lot of stuff, man. Because we did that four years ago, and I tell you what, we've we've seen people come to know the Lord. We've seen people get discipled, and this church has just exploded. People keep coming. We're gonna have to do like eight services every Sunday, right? Whatever, whatever we got to do. But here's the thing. I want that to happen in Loma Vista too. The same Holy Spirit, man, that, that, I mean, you guys were meeting last week, the leadership team out there, just in tears about what God's doing. Crazy, right? I mean, it's just, he's blowing it up. He's, he's doing it. He's making the path straight. He's going to keep doing it here. Awesome. And we're going to continue to pray for the Loma Vista area, as we're sending out, some of you are going to go with us there, right? And we're going to do and replicate to the best we can. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit's going to do his thing. The pressure's not on us. That's what's so great, man. There's, there's no pressure on us at all. The power's all with God. 
powers all with his Holy Spirit. So we just ask that the Holy Spirit go before us. In Loma Vista, we ask that the Holy Spirit go before us as we go door to door. Not asking people, do you know Jesus? But asking people how we can serve the city. Right? Totally different. Totally different. So I'm going to ask for the ushers to come forward. We're gonna, we are going to do our offering. I'm going to pray specifically because I don't, I may have said this earlier in this service. I can't remember these. The services kind of blend together. So if I repeat something, sorry. But um, we're going to spend probably about $40,000 over at the Loma Vista campus just to get some things fixed, repaired, and done the way they need to be done and get the kids' city area straight with carpet and paint and build some walls and tear down some stage and that kind of thing. In fact, next Sunday, the 23rd at 3 o'clock, if anybody wants to meet out there, man, 87th and Blue Ridge, big old Loma Vista Baptist Church sign. You'll never miss it. If you want to go tear some stuff up, let's do it, right? If you want to build some stuff up, let's do it. It's going to be a fun time. But I'm going to ask, guys, that we continue to support this campus and pray about how we launch a new one out of our church. And so as we, we give, man, it's just going to be, it's going to be, I cannot wait. I can't wait to see you guys in a year from now. Like, seriously, that's going to be fun, man. It's going to blow up. Am I right? It is. The Holy Spirit's working. God is doing his thing. The pressure's not on us. But the pressure's on us just to be obedient, right? So, Father, we love you. We're amazed by you. We can't believe sometimes that that we get to do this with you. I mean, like, you're using us and trusting us with your church. And it's amazing. And God, may you take this offering and do with it what you will. Lord, may you be glorified with it. May you bless it. May you multiply it. May you block anything that we think is the right way to spend this money. And if it's not how you want or if it's some stupid, weird way that you're, you have no idea uh, or no, no, no concept of, it's not of you, God, block it from our, our thoughts. May you take this and multiply it and bring people into your kingdom. Send your son's precious and holy and amazing name. Everybody in the house with some enthusiasm said, amen.